Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 it's one thing to have counsel right it's one thing when somebody gives you the right advice but to have mighty god is the one who can deliver you it's one thing to hear the right thing and it's another thing to find deliverance People hear the same thing over and over again from different counselors and everything else, hoping they're, they're going to have that one little trick, that one little nugget, that fortune cookie type thing that says, I found the truth. I know the way of deliverance. Man, if you're in bondage today, come to the mighty God. He's not just a counselor. He's everlasting Father, Isaiah says. The Messiah will be a Father to His people forever. In John 14, verses 18 to 20, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Figure that one out. This speaks of the compassionate heart that God will have, that Christ will have in leading His people. He, anyone who's a father understands this. When we see our children in distress, when we see them going through a, tri- a, a trial, we want to jump in right away and we want to help them. We want to deliver them from that. That's the heart of a father. And Jesus isn't just a king sitting on a throne. He's much more than that. He's the compassionate king that is very different from the kings of the world. The ones who rule because they're drunk with power. He is everlasting Father. Prince of Peace is the fourth title given. People are searching for peace. They're struggling with anxiety right now. And true and lasting peace doesn't come with a prescription. It comes with a person. John 14, 17 says, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Jesus is the promised Messiah that will bring peace to His people. And this is why you see Christians living very different in a world like today. They understand. They have the peace inside them that external circumstances does not rob that peace. Where in the world, external circumstances control the peace that they have. But with Jesus, 
We have peace that can endure through any circumstances. That's why on that video that I wanted you guys to watch, Sheep Among Wolves, where the guy says, you know, what's five years? What's 10 years? What's 15 years? What's 20 years in prison for my faith when I have all eternity? He had a peace that very few people have in this world. See, the promise, God's promise of hope will only come through His ruler. And that's what Isaiah is saying right here. It's through His ruler, no worldly ruler. People have put their, uh, too much confidence in man. And they've expected them to turn the circumstances. They ex- expected them to turn the ship and they get all angry and disgusted when that doesn't happen. I voted in so-and-so and he promised me this and promised me that and then they fall through with their... Listen, there's only one ruler that is going to bring and fulfill the promises of God. Now the next thing I want you to see as we move forward is God's promise of hope comes through His rulership, not just through His ruler. And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing in verse 7 that God says this is what's going to happen when He takes the throne in this world. And when He rules the way I always intended it to be ruled. This is the way Jesus Christ is going to rule. And there's some things that we need to understand about. First of all, people are dis- disillusioned with government. All over the world, not just in America, they're, they're, they're becoming disillusioned with, with government. And, and, and I think it's, it's a good thing when their dependency is on government and they've been depending way too much on government. If they're disillusioned with government, the church needs to put out their what God's government is all about and how God rules and how your life was impacted and affected no matter what happens in history, you need to see that the opportunity is here. You cannot get sidetracked with everything going out in the political world right now. This is the greatest opportunity that the church has with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was speaking to a lady on the phone just last week. And when she had called me when COVID first broke out, she, she was in tears and she committed to her life, her life to Christ. And she's telling me on the phone in tears, she's so worried about this COVID thing and my children are going to be in fact, she, she really was giving a death warrant on the thing. And I said, now that you've committed your life to Christ, let me tell you what God says. This was months ago. And she called me this last week. She, she started coming to church regularly or watching online regularly. And she joined a life group. And you should hear the growth just pouring out of her, her mouth and what's happening in her kids' lives because she's trusting in God. We need to continue to stay the course, friends. Everything out there Satan's going to try and use to distract you. So the first thing I want you to see about God's rulership and His government is that the scope of His government is very different than the scope of temporal governments. First of all, it's universal. Look what he says in verse 7. Of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. His is universal rule. Right now we live in a world that's got borders. That's why you need a passport to go into other countries. That's why I read today Israel just locked down again. Uh, They kept certain countries from coming in like the UK. 
because of the new strain of coronavirus in the UK that's, that's supposed to be a lot more aggressive. So I think they were flying in on a tour and you had two different planes with 130 people from the UK and they quarantined them in a hotel and then they shut down travel from coming into Israel from the UK because of it. Because each country is separate. And they're self-governed. But with God, it's going to increase. God knows no borders. And I believe that Christians are an example of this right now. That even though Christianity is illegal in certain countries, it's exploding like wildfire in those countries because God knows no borders. His government will continue to increase. It's going to be universal, but it is also going to be eternal. He says there will be no end to it, but right after the justice with righteousness, he says from this time forth and forevermore, there is no way that God's government will ever stop. It is going to be eternal. It's going to go on and on and on. Now, think about all the world powers in the past that come to your mind that maybe you studied in college. You had, you know, the Babylonians, world power. Where are they at today? No more. You, you had the Assyrians. World power. No more today. You had Greece. World power. No more today. You had the Romans who people said was going to last for eternity. Uh, you know, allegiance to the Roman Empire, long live Rome, and all of that type of stuff, but it's gone. You see, that doesn't happen with God's government. When He does something, it stays. It's eternal. If you asked me if, if there's tangible evidence today of that, I would point people to Israel. Because when the world said they were done and overthrew with, what did He do? He resurrected them according to His Word. When people say, is there tangible evidence? I would point them to the church. Jesus made a promise. The gates of hell shall not prevail. And in the midst of all the antagonism and all the opposition through the years from different countries and everything else, they've never been able to stamp out the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because forever. So that's the scope. Look at the sovereignty of God's government. There's a throne received, there's a throne established, and there's a throne upheld. The throne received is seen in the fact that there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. And that's why the birth announcement to Mary is so important because people have looked, the Jewish people have looked for the Messiah to come through the years. And there's been certain individuals that, that have risen up like Bar Kova, and they've said that they were the Messiah. People hailed them as the Messiah. How do you know? Well, the birth announcement of Jesus Christ, when Gabriel announced to Mary, said, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. There's no question that Jesus was the promised Messiah. But not only that, there's a throne established. And we see that where he says of this throne, he's going to establish it. 
on the throne of David over his kingdom. He'll establish it. And after Jesus was born, we saw where uh, King Herod tried to kill Jesus. He, uh, what ticked him off was really when the Magi came, the words that they told to King Herod is what ticked him off and what forced him to try and snuff Jesus out. In Matthew 2, it says in verses 2 to 3, Where is he who's been born of the king of the Jews, the Magi say? For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And so Herod sent all of his forces, his whole army, to go and snuff out all the babies two years and under. And here you've got a poor couple from Galilee with not the resources, not the means, and you got a baby or a child at this time. And he couldn't defeat him. Two poor peasants and a child that couldn't defend himself. Herod couldn't take out. Why? Because God made a promise that he would establish the throne. And when God establishes it, something, the forces cannot come against him. So he's, he's, he's got the throne received. He's got the throne established. And now the throne upheld. It says that not only will he establish it, he will uphold it. He will keep, maintain it, and sustain it in an unaltered condition. God's government will never be altered by sin, evil, wickedness, corruption, power-hungry men and women. Hebrews 1.8 says, But of the Son, the Father speaking of the Son, Your throne, O God, forever and ever, the scepter of uprightness and the scepter of Your kingdom. Whoever's got the scepter has the power, and Jesus has the scepter. God's government will be ruled the way He's always intended it. So God is sovereign. This is what we need to understand today. Whatever happens, God has promised us. And He's not only promised us, He's proven Himself through the years that we don't need to be concerned with the anxieties of the world right now. We don't need to be consumed with what's going to happen tomorrow. We know what's going to happen tomorrow. His throne is the throne above all thrones. When you read the book of Revelation, the reason it was so meaningful to the people back then is because they were being persecuted by Rome. John was exiled to Patmos and on, on the Lord's day was caught up in the spirit. And, 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 and you had Caesar's throne that was coming against the Christians at that time. So, so God wanted people to know that my throne is above all thrones. And so right away in, in chapter 4 and 5, there's this vision, heavenly vision of God's throne with power and might and thunders and lightnings and things like that. So when we see about Jesus taking the throne, we don't need to worry. God's Word dispels so much. The third thing I want you to see is the splendor of God's government. When you see what's embedded in these scriptures, we see that the splendor of God's government is going to involve peace, justice, and righteousness. 
As I speak, there's men and women right now that are trying to set up a government that's utopian, that they believe is right, that they believe they can usher in the peace and the righteousness and the justice that the world really needs. And that ain't going to happen because they've excluded God. It's only under the authority of God that you can have perfect peace and perfect justice and perfect righteousness. It's only when Jesus takes the throne and the millennial reign begins that you're going to see what perfect peace and righteousness and justice is. So, so he says there's going to be peace. There's perfect peace. The true King Jesus is ruling. There will be no more war. Look at verse 7. Again, the beginning of the increase of his government and of peace. Peace is attached to the government that God institutes. And that's why Isaiah 2.4 is so important because in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, it's dealing in the context of the millennial reign when Jesus does rule here on earth. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war no more. Nations spend their time and resources learning war. I just saw last week where Russia fired four intercontinental ballistic missiles successfully from a nuclear sub. Then I saw on the same day where, where uh, Israel had, had shot missiles uh, out of a sub in defense or out of the, the ocean there. So they've got defense mechanisms, missiles in place. Russia's got missiles. Everybody's got missiles. Everybody wants nuclear warhead. This is why you have to listen to me. To give Iran a green light to develop their nuclear program is absolutely insanity. But that's what man does. They learn war. They, they develop better weapons. They develop better techniques. We've got drones now. God knows what they can do. We've got all these things, but there's a day coming where Isaiah says they shall not learn war no more. There's going to be perfect justice. We long for justice to be exercised. In Isaiah 2.4, it says, he sh again, I'm going to read the whole verse this time, he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not learn war, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's why we have to trust God's Word when it comes to injustice. The injustices that are going on right now can turn your heart so far from God, friends. They can. You can read the papers and you could watch the news. And, and if I'm not careful and don't guard my heart, I allow those things to turn my heart into anger and to turn it into bitterness. And I become ineffective for the Word of God. I become ineffective in His servant as His servant here on earth. Because see, that's what Satan wants out of you. He wants your heart filled with anger. He wants your heart filled with bitterness. He doesn't want you to pray right. He doesn't want you to speak right. He doesn't want you to witness right. And the promise I have and the hope I have and what keeps my heart from going down that road is the fact that God will right every wrong. That there will be perfect justice that comes. 
But I have to be patient. And I have to understand that blind people are going to do what blind people do. People that they haven't had their spiritual eyes open, they're going to make decisions that a worldly unbeliever would make. And I'm supposed to get upset about that? I need to look at my own life and the way I lived and the decisions I made and the, the, the actions I took before God opened up my eyes. Yeah, there's a lot of wrong in this world. There's a lot of sickening stuff that's going on in this world. And we need to exercise the character of God's justice now while we have the power and the opportunity to do so. But we can't be consumed with bitterness and anger. Otherwise, you're ineffective for the kingdom of God. Satan will do anything he can to drag you away from it. So there's going to be perfect righteousness, he says. It's not just justice, but he's going to uphold it with righteousness. And this speaks, of course, of the moral dimension of God's government. Righteousness will prevail, not lawlessness, but righteousness. This has to do with relationships. The moral component um, involved in how we function with one another as human beings on the face of this planet. And yeah, people steal. Yeah, people do ugly things. People murder. People, On and on and on. We can list all those things and we live in an unrighteous world. That's why we have a court system set up the way it does. We have, you know, a court where you can go and there's divorce court. When a marriage doesn't work out, there's civil court when somebody burns somebody else and you have to have a judge sit on the bench and, and he's got to weigh out the information and make a judgment. We have a legal system set up. But, but that isn't going to be forever. And that shouldn't be our focus. The focus should be in the future that this is going to pass and I need to live for the future today. The last thing there when we talk about all these things, you know, when we think of God's rulership, when we think of the scope being universal and eternal, the sovereignty of God's government that no one can overthrow him, no one can twist his arm and being something he's not, and the splendor of God's government, we have to look at the signature. And that's what this passage closes with. It closes with God's signature. Look what it says. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, if you go down and, and buy a car on credit, they're going to run a credit check on you because they want to know who they're selling the car to. If you go to buy a house before you sign on the dotted line, when you buy a house, they're going to run a credit report on you because they want to know the person who's uh, buying the house. Are they going to default on payments? Has there been a track record of bankruptcies? Has there been this or that? Because they want to know who the person is. When it comes to Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 and the hope that God promises, He puts His signature right there. The Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Lord of hosts is His signature. And I was shocked. I really was because I've read the Bible and I've read the Old Testament. I've said the Old Testament. But I did not realize that the Lord of hosts appears in the Bible 242 times. 240 times alone in the Old Testament, twice in the New Testament. But we see this, this, this 
term used, this Lord of hosts, and it appears so often in the Old Testament. So what does it mean? And I like the Holman Bible Dictionary's definition of it. Listen to this. Quote, This can also be rendered the Lord Almighty. It represents God's power over the nations and was closely tied to Shiloh, the Ark of the Covenant, and to prophecy. The title designates God as King and ruler of Israel, its armies, its temples, and of the entire universe, unquote. So when we look at Isaiah 6 and 7, God's ruler, His rulership, He puts His signature right there and tells you who's going to accomplish this. Zeal is simply talking about a a fervor, a deep passion to accomplish something. And God's going to accomplish it. The real Lord of hosts will do this. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977